Does it seem like most podcasts are speaking a foreign language? We deliver your podcast straight to you in a language you can understand. Well, I'll drink to that. What did you say? TME Studios. It's what you want. Warning. The views and opinions expressed by the guest on the shootout are not the views and opinions of TMB Studios, its management, or the host, Bill Blanchard. They are strictly the views and opinions of the guest and the guest alone. If you are offended by any of these views and opinions, please stop listening now. It's time! What was the craziest thing you ever did in the ring? That people said, oh my god, that boy is stupid. Put over Brandon Parker. What? <laughs> no, no. I mean, because we did some pretty weird shit over there. I mean, me and me and Devin Wright at one point had a buff bitch match. Whatever, dude. A buff bitch hey. match? Damn. And he looked like the big guy off of Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> That's, 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 that shocked the fuck out of me, pal. That shocked me, too. One guy who's just asking straight-up questions to people, and straight-up answers, is getting more hits than something that brings a lot of people back to their childhood. And, I mean, this is kind of funny. I appreciate that. You ready? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chris Dickens. Do we really have to go there? No, I heard Vince's comment about that. He said, hey, you forgot himself has a, has a sense of humor. You know. I mean, wow. Had to create a Christopher Dwayne Dickens. <laughs> oh, God. How many ring racks? How many ring racks did you have backstage? There were rumors about... How many ring racks wanted to get some... Dirt? Wait, 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 what? Yeah, how many ring racks you actually had some Ring dirt? rats? Oh, boy. Oh, God, Chris. HK wouldn't go dirt what ring rats are. Oh, the one even Wolf Call would turn down. Dale Cheryl. <laughs> Damn. another singer right out the park. Wow. Um, wow. Don't forget, well, we have know, to put six over in the main event because he was the top guy. And, um, yeah. Well, Hogan must pose, you know what I mean? Hogan must pose. Oh, damn it, Bruce. I feel like going to the Cheeto show and Patriots part. I was like pissing on the grave. That line for us. The shootout with Bill Blanchard. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Shootout. Hey, I'm your host, Survivor Payne, Bill Blanchard, and welcome back to another edition of the greatest wrestling podcast in the CSRA. We do apologize for a little delay. A lot of, good lord, issues have been going on out there in the wrestling world, and my god, man. With this coronavirus going on, how fast is it spreading and shutting down one promotion after one promotion? And not just here locally in the CSRA, it's, it's shutting down all over across the country. More likely all around the world, you know. I mean, I, I've been seeing them, you know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, they won't panic until they start seeing Waffle House shut down. Well, I'm telling you, Waffle House has been shutting down. Holy House has been shutting down. Hell, even IWE. I mean, I mean hey, and, and, and Viscosity has been 
shut down. I mean, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I tell you one thing, though, I got to give UCW credit, man. They they shot down in October. They they were prepared, man. They they stocked up in the shelves. They prepared, man. I, I God bless UCW, man, and the promoters are running that promotion, man, for give you know for preparing for this coronavirus when everybody else was in denial. Congratulations there, UCW. But ladies and gentlemen, you know I got to tell you, we had a great episode the last time we aired. We had an incredible performer, Josh Fields, who's been one of the biggest uh, promoters and bookers of the intense wrestling entertainment got a lot of great feedback other than when the hell is the show going to be, you know, up there. Well, it should be up there right now. So like I said, enjoying for intended purposes, a lot of things that was said on the show, keep this in mind. It was recorded before this coronavirus was going on and, and, and people are asking about closing it down. But, you know, like I said, we're going. We're, we're doing what the president says, what the governor says, and you know we're, we're going to try to be cautious as much as we can. But with that being said, I brought my two best friends on here and business partners uh, from TNB Studios Entertainment. I have my guest at this time, Christopher Dwayne Dickens, and also have the former former heavyweight champion of the world of UCW and AWF and the Lord of Hardcore, if you would, Christopher Jake Organis is on here as well. Now, I know I promised my fans in the shootout that I will have the biggest rivalry in the history of professional wrestling that spanned for over 20 years long. Unfortunately, I took both of these guys. I did want to do that tonight, considering what everything is going on. There's so much stuff we got to talk about. And you know what? We're going to shoot the breeze. We're going to have some fun and a little bit of smack talking tonight, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Well, that being said, welcome Christopher Dickens and Christian Fury. Chris, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. A lot of craziness going on out there, but I'm I'm keeping it together, and you know, we're trying to get everything back on the road here at TMB Studios, and uh, get, some, get some entertainment out there for everybody. You know, just try to get this thing rolling again. And tell me about it, man. Um, how's it going? Your line of business, man. I understand you guys had to shut down your company, Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel, yeah. Um, everything's still open, only doing the to-go orders. And um, uh, all of our employees right now, um, uh, we had to just go ahead and uh, send them home, basically. Uh, basic mandate. Um, but, you know, companies trying to take care of everybody, make sure everybody has, uh, you know, what they need. Get them the uh, funds that they need for this hard time, and uh, you know it is what it is. Um, but the the management staff is uh, looking out for everybody. The management staff has still got the doors open, doing the goes for the community. So if you guys are listening, um, number one to to my employees, thank you guys for everything that you do. Uh, appreciate everything that uh, you guys do. Uh, sorry about this rough time. We're gonna get through this. Uh, to the community, come in and support us. Keep us going. We're there for you guys to make sure that uh, you know you have a home cooked meal. Um, we're gonna keep the doors open for as long as we can. Hey, man, brother and Chris, we appreciate everything that you do out there. And my other my other guest today, like I said, is the former heavyweight champion of the world, Christian Fury. Christian Fury, welcome to the show, man. How you been holding on this coronavirus outbreak? Well. Of course, you know, working in the facility I work at, you know, we had to shut everything well, down to keep people from that. Let me ask you a question before you start talking about your facility. I'm going to cut you off here. Uh, River and Indy Window, I've seen it all over the country in a lot of big, big major cities in the country, including Los Angeles, including New York City. Prisons are letting inmates out. 
in the state of Ohio, over a thousand inmates are getting released this Friday because of the coronavirus outbreak. Now, for our lawyer fans in the Richmond County area, are we going to be having criminals on the street or are you guys going to keep them locked up? Well, here's the funny thing about that. We released two, we gained 10 in their place. It's once we start relaxing some stuff on what we keep people in jail for, the other side of it ramps up, like the felony side ramps up. So we're, the judges are doing what they can, trying to hurry up and see as many people as, can, as they can to go ahead and try to get them out the door. But you know as well as I do, this is a business that's always been a revolving door. And it was always going to continue to be a revolving door. And as the time progresses in this coronavirus-filled uh, world, we're probably going to start seeing more and more incarcerations because people are sitting at home. They can't go to work. They can't, you know, they're not supposed to be at social gatherings and stuff. You know, you're going to see a lot more stuff go on here in this day and age than you would normally would on a on a normal day. But we got might have to get used to this. Might be our new normal from now on. We don't know just how severe this is going to take. Uh, severe this is, and how long it's going to take to get this under control. But as of right now, our facilities pretty much shut down. As far as visitation is concerned, you have to make an appointment to do bonds. Now you got to make an appointment. Even the attorneys got to make an appointment to come see their clients in jail through the judge. Has got to be approved. So I mean, there's a lot of cut down coming in and out of the jail as of this moment. But well, once again, we appreciate all your hard work and sacrifice. And then, you know, since I've retired from law enforcement, which I might be entering it back soon, but that's beside the point. Uh, I'm in the heating and air business. And I tell you what, for all you people out there, I'm worried about that. You know, if a unit goes out, me and my partner, Diablo, former AWF heavyweight champion of the world, David Clark, you know, me and him are partners in this heating and air business, and we will be there to address your units and take care of the best way we can. Matter of fact, I got two installs tomorrow in North Augusta, and then I'll be heading to Charleston after that. Just more installs. I mean, hey, you know, if you're going to be quarantined, man. You're going to need your units, whether you're warm, whether you're cold. We're going to be there to make it happen. All right, guys, let's get into wrestling here. You know, considering the, the coronavirus outbreak, a lot of indie promotions are shut down. Chris Dickens, what do you hear on your end? I know you normally deal with Viral Pro. You know, I know Christian Fury, he does with the UCW, but, you know, he kind of hears a little thing from Livewire and Machido. And then, and, and uh, what's that one not promotion called? God, help me out here. The liquid form of diarrhea. Viscosity, yeah, viscosity. Very great promotion. I love the promoters out there. We just don't see eye to eye, but. You know, concerning all the drama, man, that, that, that we've had to endure, what can you guys tell me? Chris, you go ahead and go first, man. What do you well, got to report? Okay. Um, the only thing I've heard uh, recently, I know that um, IWE, you know, they shut down their uh, March 21st show. And, um, you know, Josh Field was on the last episode, and, you know, he promoted that show a little bit. And it was supposed to be um, one of their biggest shows so far. And, you know, they, they postponed that until after this is all over. That is um, you know, very smart of them uh, to do that. Uh, but as far as Viral Pro, the word on the street is that Viral Pro is still moving forward with their event. Now, um, in this situation right now, I, I haven't been to a Viral Pro show in a good minute. Uh, I haven't been out to any of the uh, recent shows. I think the last one I was at was uh, Infection 4. I mean, that was the very last viral pro show I was able to make. 
since that time, a lot of things have uh, changed. A lot of things have developed, uh, especially uh, in the here and now. Um, and, and hearing that bit of, uh, you know, through the grapevine news and not seeing any major league announcements from uh, VPW uh, themselves, I can honestly say that I don't know if that's a smart idea right now, considering uh, the way things are going. Now, I know the only thing I've seen coming out of Thompson, uh, Sweetwater area, is a curfew for uh, the teenagers 17 and under. They have to be accompanied by an adult. So with that being said, with everything going on, social distancing, uh, it being mandated by the state of Georgia and Governor Kemp, uh, only 10 people in a building at a time, uh, unless you can have the ability to space people out six feet apart, um, or, or if it's a big, uh, actually they, they shut down all sporting venues too, if I'm not mistaken, am I correct? Um, so, oh God. I mean, down. the NBA is shut down, baseball season delayed, their, their, their spring training, I mean, it's it's just crazy. Even well, I mean, for God's sakes, Vince McMahon's being forced to shut his promotion down because he's trying to find out a loophole. We'll do an empty arena, which is, I still say it's a terrible mistake of putting your workers and your talent at risk like that. But Well, here's the thing. Uh, all the mandates uh, go up to, like, I think it's either April 5th or April 12th. I'm not really sure the date. I would have to go back and, you know, double check myself. But uh, Viral Pro Show Undeniable is on April 18th. Now, we're not guaranteeing that this pandemic is going to be over by then. And uh, who's to say that Governor Kemp uh, won't come back on and mandate that we stretch this out a little longer? So if Viral Pro, and, and this is my personal opinion, it's nothing against Joshua Hancock. It's nothing against anybody within VPW themselves. Uh, but if you if they go ahead with this show and with everything going on, they are putting the general public at risk. And, and that's my personal opinion, because everybody else is having to shut down. I, I mean, you just heard me say that my company that I work for sent all their hourly employees home. You know how hard it is to do that? And the managers take positions, that is rough. Now, let's just say if Joshua Hancock had to do the same thing, him and James Caleb Kitchens would have to be running production. They would have to dress up in multiple gimmicks and wrestle in front of 10 people. No, excuse me, eight. There can only be 10 people in the building. Do you imagine how rough that would be for them? <laughs> so, with it being in the state of Georgia and with those mandates in place and the possibility of it, being extended out past uh, Undeniable's date, I honestly think that they should just go ahead and say, you know what, for the safety of our fans, because we care, we are going to postpone Undeniable and move it to a later date. Uh, the fans will appreciate it, number one. You will look good in the eyes of the community, number two. And on top of that, even though you have you know, tickets sold out already, you can easily just move those tickets to that date or refund with the promise of giving back. Or you could even go so far as to say, you know what, because of this, we're going to go ahead and do a show for the community uh, whenever we come back and we're going to do it free of charge. And almost guaranteed you're going to bring in a lot more fans. It's going to open up the eyes 
of everybody uh, who hasn't seen viral before because once these mandates are lifted, people are going to want to get out of the house. They're going to want to go and do stuff, and they're going to want to find whatever's going on locally. So why not? You have the ability to grasp new fans, a new audience, because you're going to have people who are wanting to get out and do. Because right now, we can't. We're mandated. A lot of people, uh, especially over in South Carolina, right across the bridge, are mandated. They have a curfew now, 11 o'clock. They got to be in the house. All bars, all restaurants, all everything closed down with the exception of drive through services. That's about it. There's nothing going on. They're mandated. Stay in place. So once it gets lifted, everybody's going to want to go out. Everybody's going to want to find something to get into. What better way than to say, hey, once it's lifted, come out and enjoy a wrestling show. They will come. It's a guarantee. That's the same thing I told, you know, Josh Fields, and he was getting upset on Facebook about it. And I kind of had to explain to him, man, times like this, dude, you got to have some discipline, man. People are dying out there. You know, the sports will be back eventually. Pro wrestling will be back eventually. And heck, when it does happen, you're going you're gonna to go beyond it because their goal was to get 500 people. I said, well, this thing lifted, just like you said, people are going to be looking for something to do. You might draw a 1,000 people, you know, to get together. But bottom line is, man, you got to – you know, my my thing is, is like people are taking the, the luxuries out of their life for granted. Now it's got to stop. And it was like, you know, people just know how to react to it. They know how to handle it. You get all upset and emotional and just, just go nuts about it. I mean, you guys ever seen that show, The Ultimate Fighter on the UFC? You don't mean to turn the subject here, but, you know, when those first few seasons came out, you know, Dan White took complete isolation out of everything. They couldn't watch TV. So they couldn't get a phone. They couldn't call their loved ones. Couldn't call their girlfriends. They couldn't see them on TV, and they got quarantined basically. And seeing some of those guys on that show, in my opinion, excuse my friend for a bunch of pussies, man. They whined and they cried and they yawned. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it. You know, I'm like, man, you guys wouldn't survive in boot camp in the Marine Corps or or even basic training in the Army. You know, I know myself and uh, and, and Fury could definitely testify that you're cut off from everything. You know, that's. It's a person only tough and a crazy brave, man. You take you take their luxuries away from them, they fall apart, man. Well, that being said, Christian Fury, what do you got to report on your side and other side of the indie scene with uh, IWE, Livewire, Machino, Viscosity, if you would. I, I'm going to get into Viscosity in just a minute because I actually had an argument with the promoter of Viscosity about what he was trying to do. But go ahead, boss. I'll let you have Viscosity. That'll be all yours and say you you got your cannon loaded for that one but on my news feed man i'll have to like i said going back iwa give them props they're like one of the first promotions in this area to go ahead and cancel their event and on my news feed i was seeing other wrestling promotions in the state of georgia canceling theirs on the same day uh, I can't specify which ones because there's, you know, all of a sudden I was seeing a lot of them come out of the woodworks that I didn't even hear of or heard of, you know, all around the state of Georgia, canceling shows left and right because of the gathering purposes and they try to get ahead of what's coming because everything's getting shut down. Um, but as you know, there is certain promotions out there, and I'll let you get into the name because, you know, they want to wait to the last minute. Um, and honestly, I mean, we, we uh, Chris touched on Viral Pro, you know, but I will say that 
honestly, brother, I don't believe that this stuff is going to be lifted by the time their show kicks in. I personally think it would be, like you said, be best to go ahead and cancel their show and move forward. Um, like IWE is doing, when they have their next show, when, when they're able to actually schedule it, they're honoring the tickets that were bought for this last show at that show. So that's something Viral Pro can get in on as well. You know, they'll honor the tickets of the show that was supposed to be on the next show. So that way the fans ain't losing out on money. The fans still have a chance. Because a lot of these guys, they prepay. You know, there's a lot of prepaid tickets going on now as far as this guy, excuse me, as far as VPW and, and IWEs are concerned. There's a lot of pre-sale tickets. As far as Livewire and Bushido, honestly, I I think their shows got canceled as well. Um, well I can't really. They they, they made the cutoff. Right, right. They made the cutoff back in February, so I'm starting. I'm I'm starting looking right now. They they weren't scheduled to have a show in March. I think they had everything. Is the last weekend in February, beginning of March? I think they already had their show, so they actually got lucky. You know, ever do their show before right. the whole thing virus took effect. So they're not scheduled to do the wrestle again until the month of May. That's right. So they just made the cutoff from all the sanctions and everything. Now, whether that was a smart business decision with everything that's going on, I, you know. Well, this is before the governor and the president declared emergency. Um, right. So they did it. So, hey, you know, now, now it's just a hide and wait game. How long is this really going to last? There, there's well, school. I mean, yeah. Oh, the ball yeah. before we had the cure for it. And that's it's being crazy. optimistic. And, 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 and as crazy as this is, like I said, with with the schools shutting down, the businesses shutting down, the NBA shuts down. You know, even the state of Florida tells Vince McMahon, if you don't shut it down, we're gonna shut you down for you. And they had a meeting with the governor and the mayor of Orlando, and the governor was look, dude, you're not having it, you know. So Vince is trying to figure out a way to do it as a performance center and try to break it down a few days. They're going to start taping it now. You know, like I said, they're only allowed to have gathered 10 people at a time. So they're going to start taping it now at the performance center day by day, I guess. You know, and then with, with all this stuff going on, you know, and all the deaths happening around the world, I get into an argument with the promoter of viscosity. You know, I know what the guy's trying to do. He's been trying over over a year now, they try to get some kind of promotion started. You know, I get it. You know, with all the other promotions canceled now, talent looking for a place to work. You know, he was there to make some free deals at his church. He was trying to do a fundraiser for his church. You know, and I tell him, dude, with everything shutting down, why haven't you? Oh, we're still going to go forward because the church is still open. That's a place to worship, and we got a good cause here. We're gonna we're gonna try to fight here. So yeah, we're we're still gonna keep doing it. You know, then of course he puts it on Facebook. I hope to see you there, Bill Bunchy, with a big old smile and a wink. You know, and man, I couldn't. I had to say something. You know, and I says, if you want to choose to ignore this, then that is on you. That is on your conscience. I'm gonna be home taking care of my family, my wife, and my children. You know, I said, I told, I called on the phone. I said, man, you're making a mistake, dude. You know, and. I just kind of was kind of funny after I made that comment to him. I said what I said to him. It was either like the very next day or the day after that. Then I see it on Facebook. Viscosity did finally cancel their show. I mean, and I hope everybody understand. I'm not hating on nobody on the independent scene, but my opinion, there's more 
to this virus and the government's telling us if it's calling for a federal emergency, state emergency, the death toll that's happening around the world. Got to take this thing seriously, man. I know everybody doesn't want to. Nobody doesn't want to believe what's going on. Something is definitely going on, man. Like I said, Waffle House, for, for God's sake, is shutting down. Walmart's not 24 hours more. They're closing early, keeping long enough. People get what they got to get and shut it down. Schools, colleges, universities, you know. And then, uh, guys, I want you guys' opinion on this year, you know. But Vince McMahon still mm-hmm. pushing forward. And I got to say this, Jay. Owen Hart died in the ring over 21 years ago, okay? He didn't care then. I'm not trying to be mean about it. I'm not trying to bring anything. No, the show must go on. Owen Hart just died in a seven-year ring, not in a hotel, not in his home, not on the road, getting to the arena at your show at your live event. And he's still, boom, the show must go forward. Now, you can say what they want to say about that. But in this kind of situation right now where this, as, as, as big as this virus thing can spread, he still tried to fight it. How can you sit there and say that you're concerned about your fans your talent, your employees, if you're still fighting to make this thing happen and still making these people, you know, you know, trying to have it at performance center just so WrestleMania can happen. So you're trying, what, what point you're trying to prove here, Vince? I mean, Chris, Jay, what do you, how do you guys really feel about it, honestly? I'm on time, man. All right, Chris. Um, yep. WrestleMania, it ain't just the matches. That mean a lot. That's the best crowd you have all year. You have crowds from around the world. It's hot. It's live. I mean, the fans help tell the story that's there. They help get you into it. They help you do this. To me, without the fans being live, that WrestleMania, what really are you watching? You know, you're not watching WrestleMania. You might have a WrestleMania quality match, but and you might call it WrestleMania, but this ain't WrestleMania. You know, that would, in my eyes, that would automatically go down as one of ever for the fact is you had no crowd. There's no response. You have guys like, like they're in training trying to pander to a crowd that's not, you know, you can't get those real emotions. <clears throat> what harm would it be to push it back a few months, see how this thing goes, to see if the public gatherings can commence, because I think the first thing that was said, push it back to about June. Maybe by then we'll, there'll, there'll be someone under control, you know, to be able to have that crowd. Vince is worried about one thing right now, the almighty dollar. It's the money. He's got the XFL. This is the first season back in over 20 years, or, or right at 20 years. I don't even know if that's going on right now because of the pandemic that's going on because, you know, no gatherings over 10 people, right? So I'm pretty sure the XFL shut down right now currently. You have WWE, you might as well say, is shut down because there's no live live crowds. They're having Raw and Smack in the empty arena at the full cell there where they film NXT at on a regular basis. Just how... How bottom of the barrel can you really get right now? I mean, your sponsors can only last for so long, right? So you're going to keep producing shows and trying to do something just to make that money. You can't have WrestleMania. There's no point of trying to sell pay-per-views when you have no crowds, you have no interaction, because you're not going to get the money from the network. 
And as of right now, he made the network free. The network is free currently. So you're not making any money off of that right now. You know, and the only thing you need to worry about events, don't worry about the special events, pay-per-views, whatever else. Please your sponsors. Keep doing these little shows, you know, because you're going to get some money from the sponsors by doing these shows. Fair enough. But not like you would in front of a live crowd. Do WrestleMania like you plan on doing. It's going to fail miserably and go down as the worst period WrestleMania period ever. Period. Okay. Christian Fury, former heavyweight champion of the world. It's a very, very valid point. Jerry K. Lawler said it. I was watching in Raw and I finally made an announcement that we're going to definitely be at the Performance Center and empty the arena. And Jerry Lawler just kind of shook his head. And even he says, like, well, all you can say is one word or the other is going to make history. Well, it's going to stink. Words, I mean, the first WrestleMania. Can you imagine me and Gene Oakland was still alive? God bless me, everything. I remember watching WrestleMania 3 and, and even WrestleMania 6 when he says, Ladies and gentlemen, a brand new attendance record. This year he was going to say, A brand new attendance record. Zero. Congratulations, everybody. You just made history. Zero for attendance at WrestleMania. Well, what's even I mean, funnier about that is, is that WWE is already trying to capitalize off that by selling a T-shirt. And and, it, and I, I quote this from the actual advertisement. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that the advertisement says, show that you care about the world and saving people by buying this WrestleMania shirt. WrestleMania. Biggest uh, history-making event, and I wasn't there. Attendance record zero. Wow. Wow. I bet you they're selling it for 35 bucks on WWEshot.com. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's your new Suplex City T-shirt. Brock Lesnar's going to come out one WrestleMania. I was the only one there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And can you imagine somebody like Hero? Somebody that likes it has been, has been on the shelf for nine years. This is the first WrestleMania back in nine years. Oh, and you're going to have to perform against the front of the empty arena? Come on, man. That that to me is stupid. You know, that is your one that is your one of your biggest, if not the biggest draw of WrestleMania this year is Edge. Edge's first match back, one on one match back, and it's against Randy Orton. Somebody Randy that you know he can house down with at WrestleMania. Yeah. Well imagine the feed off of Imagine how Steve Austin felt when he came back for Raw for uh, Austin 316 Day. And all the That was the first Steve Arena Raw, wasn't it? On Austin. Yeah. Yeah, that, that night, game. watch a. Christopher, hey Chris, Chris, I was, I was, that night I was texting you and Jay. I said, "Don't this remind y'all of an, of an AWF back in 1999? How we're we're in Jay's front yard and, and pretend like there's a crowd there. We're trying to steady camera. We're trying to cut a promo. Pretend there's a crowd there. And I'm watching Becky Lynch trying to cut a promo. Oh my God, looks like us back in '99 trying to pretend we had a crowd there. And, I mean, <laughs> seeing Stone Cold and Rope, it looked just like Chris back in '99. Chris was down top of Jay's truck, holding his both arms in his 
weird talking that smack, shaking his head. I'm with Stan Steve Austin, dude. That's, oh, my God. I was cursed back in the day. But see, what's funnier about that, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, um, was because I, I watched this week's uh, episode of SmackDown. And I'm sitting there, and I'm hearing everything that the wrestlers are saying in the ring. I'm hearing the countdowns. I'm hearing all the stuff in the production, everything. And I walked out the room. I was like, oh, my God. I said, this is reminding me of AWF. And my, my nephew goes, why is that? I said, because we didn't have a crowd either. <laughs> <laughs> we, were doing, we were doing social distancing before social distancing was uh, even talked about. Hey, that's what we did on a t-shirt. We were social distancing with social distancing wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so we, hey, WWE and AEW can be competing on empty arena matches. AWF did it best. <laughs> hey, they learned from us, man. They sits on YouTube. Yep. Well, hey, Lord, I see the angle stolen from AJF. I've seen on WWE. Yeah, I can see that right now. Vince is like, I don't know how to do an empty arena match. Well, you remember that guy Chris Dickens that said, "Sue me, Vince. I dare you." Yeah, bring that shit up. Let's see what that looked like. Let's see how they did it. Oh. This well, right here is another reason why I ask you, Chris, how come that T-shirt has not been made yet? Do me, Vince, I dare you. Made. It does need to be made. So I'm <laughs> thinking that that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you might see it on the box of gimmicks.com soon. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the old Hey, Chris, Chris, you see what happened when, right? We'll call it, we'll call it Thomasine Rules. Thomasinerules.com. You you see that shirt? Sue me, Vince. I dare you. (laughs) Just go to Thomasinerules.com and then we'll. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. I got a headache now. Oh, hell. Where the hell do we go from here? We go from Antia WrestleMania Arena to to Brock Lesnar. You know, and gosh, I'm going to play devil's actor here. I know we're going to talk about Goldberg here in just a minute here, but I want to talk a little bit about Brock Lesnar here. I mean, when I hear on social media, on Facebook, I'm on these, you know, wrestling fan pages from the 70s, 80s, and 90s era, and a lot of people talk so much smack about Brock Lesnar, especially that last event they did. What was that super showdown called in Saudi Arabia? That was it, Super Showdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Brock, when Brock defeated that dude McIntyre in, like, in under a minute. Ricochet. What do you expect, Brock? Ricochet, excuse me, Ricochet. What do y'all expect Brock Lesnar to do? I mean, he's a 300-pound gorilla, you know, built like a freaking mountain. I mean, he's a special attraction. Yeah, they're putting a part-timer with the championship belt. But, you know, here, here's something Ric Flair said on a radio talk show a long, long time ago on Canadian TV. Michael Lambert, if I remember correctly, real talk. You know, if you're not drawing money, Vince will get rid of you. It's just that simple. If you're making him money, he's going to keep you on top. You know, and that's just how I've seen it. You know, you know, people are talking smack about Brock, but, you know, the crowd's getting into the Suplex City. Boom, F5. People, the crowd still treating Paul Heyman like the Rock. You know, Rock, when Rock used to say, hey, that's not singing along with the champ, you know. Every time Paul he gets that mic, my name is Paul. And you hear the whole crowd saying it, Heyman. I mean, obviously, they're still getting reactions. They're still getting responses. People are still pounding in the scene. He was still going nuts for him to you know, to hold on to the title. I mean, personally, whenever I watch it, I get that big, big fight feel, competition kind of deal. And 
you know, I, I, I mean, people are paying Brock Lesnar to destroy, 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 not try to have a Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage kind of style match. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't think you're going to get that at Brock Lesnar. A few people, maybe, like Kurt Angle. You know, I think Samoa Joe have a good match with Brock Lesnar. You know, and, and they did a great balls of fire one year. AJ Styles had a good match with Lesnar. But let's just face it, people don't want to see a Brett and Shawn Michaels match with Lesnar. They want to say Brock take someone to German suit Flex City. I mean, I mean, what do you guys got to say about that? Go ahead, Jay. I'm back. I had to take care of my daughter. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and uh, start. Uh, go ahead and answer it, Chris. Basically, let, let's just put it like this. Um, Brock Lesnar, regardless if you love him or hate him, He's a draw, and part of his drawing power is in part to Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, yeah. let's, let's face facts. The guy's a freaking genius when it comes to the wrestling business. He knows how to pull the puppet strings. He knows exactly what to say, how to say it, when to say it, and he articulates on the microphone better than anybody I've ever seen, uh, myself included. Um, it's just, you know, now the drawing power is – not who Brock is going to decimate next, but who's going to decimate Brock. See, see, Brock's drawing power went from we get to see the Beast Incarnate come in and demolish, you know, WWE to, okay, we're tired of seeing this guy. We want to see somebody take him out. So he still has the drawing power because now, whether we like it or not, he's a heel. And he makes it known that he comes in, gets a paycheck, and leaves when he wants. He's taking his real-life scenario, and it's being turned into a story, and people are eating it up like hotcakes. And now they want to see somebody dethrone the beast. So just – it's smart business. Whether you like it or not, it's smart business. And I, I don't think anybody in their right mind – would turn that opportunity down to make that kind of money. Because let, let's just face okay, um, let, let's take an example, Bill. Let's let's throw this out here. Okay. Remember when we were doing the whole, you know, grapple wrestling thing and going on and you were undefeated. Yes, I was. The biggest thing that a lot of people wanted to see wasn't who are you going to defeat next. A lot of people were talking about, Who's going to be man enough to defeat Bill Blanchard? So the drawing power there, if we were to take it and throw it into a pro wrestling uh, scenario, to make money off of that, we would tease and tease and tease that, oh, this guy may have it. We did it. They did it with AJ Styles. They did it with Daniel Bryan. They're doing it now with uh, Drew McIntyre. You get all these teases, and then Brock powers up, and your, your glimmer of hope is gone. But then you have that glimmer of hope still that somebody somewhere is going to take Brock out. And that's what his drawing power That's what's making money. That's what's selling tickets. Suplex City is still a big thing, but what's selling tickets is we want to see someone whip Brock Lesnar's ass. And it's smart business to capitalize on that. 
Jay, I don't know if you uh, was listening or not earlier. I was making a comment that, you know, people are like, like disrespecting Brock, not just for being a part-timer, why is he still having the belt on? I was basically, you know, telling Christopher, man's obviously still drawing money. I'm not trying to hear everything I just said, but it just seemed like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I, I said this earlier, you know, people don't want to pay money to see Brock, in my opinion. I, I personally don't think Brock Lesnar can do it. You know, see Brock Lesnar, you know, have a match like Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage went at WrestleMania 3, or I Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 91, or that kind of a technical shoot kind of style. I mean, people would pay money to see Brock Lesnar to whip someone's ass. German Suplex City, bitch. Or like Chris Dickens says, you know, who's going to be the one to beat Brock Lesnar, you know? You know, that's what we're talking about. But some people are saying it's a disgrace for Brock Lesnar, a part-timer, to be in the champion as long as he has. You know, what, what's your I, thoughts, I man? Tell you, I'll tell you this, brother. Think about it and put it. let's put it back into the 80s, even the early 90s for WWF. Hogan must pose. <laughs> what was the biggest thing that he got off on Hogan? The big boot, the leg drop. And the hand to the ear. The three things that must happen beside the pose down at the end, right? Brock Lesnar, right. eat, sleep, conquer, repeat. Suplex City, F5, or pin, one, two, three, or get him in that Kimura lock, tap him out. That's what people pay to see with Brock Lesnar. Now, there was a point in time, too. You know, you want to talk about part-timers being champions and only showing up every couple of months to defend the title. Well, keep in mind, back in the day, back in the 80s and early 90s, pay-per-views were only like four, maybe five pay-per-view events the entire year. So the title would normally not get defended until the pay-per-view. There's a lot of times that the title might get defended at the Royal Rumble. Then it's WrestleMania. It's on the WrestleMania. You wouldn't see that title defended again until WrestleMania. Then SummerSlam, well, you wouldn't see that title again defended against SummerSlam. Now, usually Survivor Series would get a buy because the champion was involved in a team match, you know, back when they were doing teams of four or teams of five, you know. So, I mean, there was very rare opportunities that the champion actually put the title line and when it did it meant you have getting defended every time you turn around yeah that makes it okay that makes a fighting champion but at the same time so everybody's qualified to be champion everybody's qualified to be the challenger well you also gotta remember you know back then yeah as far as the TV audience goes, yeah, you didn't see the champion hardly at all. I mean, if you did saw him on Superstars of Wrestling, just to cut an interview or a promo, you know, by far as the pay pay per views back then was usually at WrestleMania or Saturday Night's main event, you know. But you also got to remember though, during that time though, it was all about the house shows. You would see the champion coming to your local town, you know. But like you said, the three punches, the boot, the leg drop, and holding the must pose. That's what you saw night in, night out. But you, you very rarely you ever saw the world title ever dropped on a house show. You might have seen it at the NWA, but it was like, but by the time it came on TV, you didn't really know. So like, who dropped it in Atlanta, but then went right back in, um, I don't know, Macon or Statesboro or Gainesville, you know, and then you know, go up to Columbia, drop it in Columbia, and then went right back and ride North Carolina. But by the time he saw it on TV again, he was still the champion. And, you know, unless you're there witnessing, you know, the TV audience was just, just nowhere to wear. You know, so I definitely see your point, though, you know, on Brock Lesnar. I mean, how about this, though? You know, 
Jim Ross said on his podcast with Grilling Jr. about, you know, he was trying to explain why the Bake Show, when he first got in the WWE, why he didn't get over. And Jr. said it because simple, overexposure. The Big Show's a big man, you know. Less is best, you know. If you could sell Andre the Giant every single week, it would get dull, you know. That's why they had luxury of moving Andre from territory to territory every three months, you know. And they said that's what they should have did with the Big Show, having mixed sporadic appearances and not not on all the freaking time. They overexposed him, and people got bored with him real quick. That's why he had to leave for a while and try to change his character up a little bit. And he said that's what they're doing with Brock Lesnar. You know, he's a special attraction. You know, you don't want to see Brock Lesnar every single night or every single pay-per-view. You know, I mean, that's that's what the thought process of it is. And then you have someone like John Cena. Now, let's keep this in mind. We see too much of John Cena, right? You get the crowd saying, Cena sucks, Cena sucks. You retire seeing John Cena push down their throats. But, you know, so tell me this, Chris Diggins, you're a promoter. Which one works better? Less of Brock Lesnar or over too much of John Cena? Uh, honestly, what works best is uh, less of Brock. You never know when he's going to show up. It, it, it goes back to just like, you know, with The Rock. The Rock and Steve Austin and The Undertaker, for that matter. You know at WrestleMania you're going to see The Undertaker. But you yes. don't expect The Undertaker to pop up uh, every other event. You know the Undertaker's not going to be on Monday Night Raw unless it's something special. Um, the Rock, you know the Rock's filming movies. Uh, Rock shows up, it's special. Steve Austin shows well, up, it's special. Hey Chris, you brought a good point. I want I'm going to ask you a question. Now, now you mentioned about The Rock. Now here's here's another thing. You know, great. I know it's a different era in wrestling, but I specifically remember 2002 and 2003 uh, era, even in the year 2000. No, not year two. Maybe maybe oh one. I'm thinking of yeah. The Rock would show up, crowd get a little reaction, but then he would leave and come back six months later and show up. But then all of a sudden, people started booing The Rock for that. You know, if you remember in 2002, people were cheering Brock and booing The Rock. You know, then Rock comes back in 03, they were booing him like crazy. They get two flying flips about him when he went freaking hill. The people get sick of him. He show up, wrestle a couple months, then go back to Hollywood. It's almost like people, maybe people love The Rock too much. Wanted to see him, hated when he left. When he came back, well, screw you, dude. We don't want to see you no way. It's just and, the difference here. You know, it's like too much of Cena, he will hate it. Less of Brock, people hate it. Not enough of Brock, and people hate it. You know, it's kind of like, how do you <laughs> identify with your audience? <laughs> here's, here's the thing, and, and uh, Jake could uh, probably, you know, agree with me on this or whatnot. The wrestling community is not what it used to be. Most of the time, people's thoughts and uh, ideas of the wrestling business now come from the Internet. So the IWC is what basically runs the wrestling fans these days. And if a lot of people see Dave Meltzer, Mr. Wrestling <laughs> Server himself, Mr. I give six stars to Kenny Omega, and whatever match he's in, except for when he's in AEW and he's not being, you know, the cleaner. Um, if he says Brock Lesnar, we're sick of seeing these part-timers and they're not giving enough uh, attention to the full-time guys, 
then the wrestling community is going to be like, you know what? You're right. I'm tired of seeing this dude. Uh, I, I, how come they won't put the belt on uh, Seth Rollins? How come they won't give Samoa Joe a chance? Uh, why are, why didn't they give um, you know Shinsuke Nakamura uh, the same kind of gimmick that he had in Japan? Why aren't they letting this guy do this? Why aren't they just letting uh, you know why why can't we have um, this guy have his gimmick from uh, when he was back on the Independence? Why can't they let Kevin Owens be Kevin Steed? Why can't we have El Generico? You know, and, and it's just it's stupid, and and. Partially, WWE, they have to understand, and, and fans have to understand this. WWE is going to do what WWE wants to do. If they feel like Brock Lesnar's a draw and they're paying attention and it's, you know, people are cheering and then, yeah. But then when people start booing him, they take him off TV for a while and people's just like, oh, well, you know, there's no more Brock. And then all of a sudden Brock comes back and wins the title and he pisses everybody off. And then all of a sudden everyone wants to see Brock Lesnar get his ass kicked. You know, and they're pulling the strings and they're doing what they got to do. Um, but the Internet wrestling community in general is what drives the fans ideas on what is right and what is wrong. And they don't know what the hell they want. They don't know what they want to see half the time. Uh, we sit back and we we brag about the Attitude Era. OK, and and don't get me yeah. wrong of the Attitude Era for its matches. But if you look back at some of the stuff in the Attitude Era, it is some of the dumbest shit you've ever seen. But we were all about it. Why? Because we didn't have this uh, access to what was going on behind the scenes like we do these days. Yeah, we, we weren't subscribing to dirt sheets of the Wrestling Observer back then. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. we didn't pay attention to that. We didn't give a shit about that. How did, how did we know <laughs> Sitting at the bus stop talking about what happened on the pay-per-view or on Raw the night before. Getting the screen in right. the commons area and talking about Steve Austin or D-Generation X and what they did the night before. You know, or, or did you go get that brand new t-shirt? Yeah, I got that brand new t-shirt. Hey, are you going to this live event? Yeah, I'm going to this live event. Hey, did you see the promo for the uh, guy that's getting ready to debut? Um, um, Val Venus. Yeah, I saw that. I think he's pretty cool. Val Venus was the dumbest character on the face of the planet. How do you get over by hello, ladies? It doesn't make any sense. A porn star. <laughs> <wrestling>. <laughs> Thinking about that. But the thing is, oh. the thing back then. Even the 80s. They look at it now, okay? Sting come out with Robocop. Yeah. It is the dumbest thing to look at now, but back then it was the coolest thing that ever happened. <laughs> yeah, back then I was a fan of RoboCop, you know, because I thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> you guys mentioned RoboCop. I got to say this real quick. I was listening to Tony Schiavone's podcast by his year in the WWF, and he says his last event in World Wrestling Federation was WrestleMania Six, right? And his neck was when he left the WWF to go down to South to the WCW. The first event was Capital Combat '90 with RoboCop. Tony Schiavone came there and he sees the RoboCop. Seeing Tony, said he went to his dressing room. He wanted to commit suicide. He says, "I left to Scott O'Toole to come down to see." Robocop. <laughs> hey, Robocop was a good movie at the time. Robocop 2 was coming. They're, they're, they're supposed to help promote it. <laughs> but wow. Hey, as a here's, kid growing up, that movie, man, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, here's you know? the thing. 
like I was saying, the top was WA at the time, whichever one it was called at the time. I can't remember which, but it was there, you know. So, I mean, it had some exposure properties to it, you know, but. Yeah, and you do what you do to, you know, get the eyes on your product. It doesn't matter. Cross-promotion is cross-promotion. But here's the thing. The, the point I'm trying to make is back then, we didn't have access to everything we had now. We didn't know the behind-the-scenes, uh, you know, stuff that was going on. We didn't know about wrestlers' contracts. We didn't know about kayfabe. We didn't know about none of that. We're our nope. eyes shielded from the business. The only reason why anything came out was in the late 90s, when Vince McMahon finally let it out of the bag of sports entertainment, and then all of a sudden you see these secrets of the ring stuff start popping up. Then everybody starts getting well, smart. Here, here, here's a funny here's a funny thing. You, you brought up secrets of the ring. That was not WWE. Vince McMahon were talking, all those guys are trying to do it because they couldn't make it to WWE. I mean, yeah, they were really against it, you know, and, and we're these bunch of rushers. I even heard Holly Race was one of the guys that was involved in that video. It was what it was. The same people who produced behind the scenes of a magician trying to show off his tricks, the same ones that did the same thing with the WWE and you know, yeah, Vince was not a happy camper about that one. But I remember that, guys, I remember this one. We're talking about kayfabe and everything. How many times did three of us sit down and watch Wrestling with Shadows back then? And the whole thing with the Montreal Screwjob with Brett and Sean. I mean, I know it's a dead issue nowadays, but I mean, really, I mean, you could deny it no more. I mean, you when when the whole Sean puts Brett in a sharpshooter and referee is ringing the bell and the reaction to Sean's face. Like, what? What are you doing? Brett shoots a spit Lukey in Vince's face. That was a really big eye-opener for me, you know, about what the hell did I just see, you know? This is what happened, you know? And we saw that freaking documentary. Did the same the same year that documentary came out, the same year the whole thing with the Behind the Secrets, the unreal story of pro wrestling. I remember that documentary came out at A&E. I mean, yeah, things really started to come out. We were all questioning everything. Go ahead, Jay. Oh, yeah. Untold stories, the unreal stories. Hell, even this time frame, you had Beyond the Mat, which was a big eye-opener. You know? I think, I think Beyond, um, Beyond the Mat came out the year after they did that. Like, that, that came out in 98, right? Beyond the Mat came out in 99, and we all sat and saw it out, and we were just like, whoa. Our first real look at New Jack back then, you know, just showing clips of New Jack, and then, oh, my God, the, the whole story between The Rock and Mick Foley behind the scenes, if you would, it was sick. And then, of course, the heartbreaking thing about Jake and Stan Roberts, man, I mean, it, it kind of gives you an eye-opener about the real horrors of professional wrestling that – we were never exposed to it back then. It was like an all big eye opener now, you know? I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Big eye opener. And like you said, you know, at what point you, you can't really deny it anymore. Long before that, all these behind the scenes and the sports entertainment, we are sports entertainment thing. It was always taboo to say, oh, wrestling is fake because you didn't know. There's parts of it that you saw that's like, no, that can't be faked. You know, and you would believe the commentary. Tell me how you train somebody to fall off a 15 foot ladder. You know, oh, cool. how, of course. You know, so start believing it. You're like, there's no way, no way you can train to do this stuff. You know, there's no way you, you, you can't train gravity. You know, this, they're training. Train so, so, like, so what did Mick Foley do? Getting hit in the head with, okay, Rock, hit me here. Boom. No, Rock, that's not how you do it. Hit me this angle. Boom. You know, I mean, come on, man. How do you train for chair shots to the head? You know, and crap like that. I mean, you're right, Jay. That's just 
golly. You know, I used to think the fakest part was when I'm seeing characters like the Berserker and the African Dream Akeem and the Honky Tonk Man dressed like an Elvis impersonator. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, those matches are probably, you know, or Kamala, even the Undertaker, early days Undertaker. Like, okay, I can see how that might be, you know, fake and supernatural, you know, so that. But when you see Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, my God, that was real. Shawn Michaels Russ, uh, and, and Razor Ramon and WrestleMania 10, a ladder match, that was real. Captain Jack and Vader, Halloween Half 93, that was real, damn it. And this is me arguing with my uncles during this time period, my early, early preteen days. I'm sitting there arguing and getting mad. And, and I, I tell you, I'll prove it right now. Let me, and my uncle says, and my uncle, oh, uncle yeah, yeah, it's real. Look, 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 let's put the figure four little lock on. Oh, yeah, put it on me. Yeah, yeah. Ah, God, he broke my freaking hand. I was screaming so damn loud. Yeah, dude. This is proof right here. Russ ain't real, you know. Oh my god. How dumb I was. <laughs> oh man. Have the exposure back then, like like it's unprecedented no, You've got everybody and their mama talking about the wrestling business, whose contract's up, how much someone's making, what arguments are being had, and even WWE themselves are going behind the scenes and showcasing what's going on. So, of course, everybody has this open opinion about what's right, what's wrong, what storylines work, and what doesn't, what should be going on, and what shouldn't. So, if we didn't have that, nobody would give a shit. They would love Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar come back in. Oh, yeah, Brock Lesnar's back. Yeah, when are we going to see Brock Lesnar again? Or John Cena, for that matter. We, if they wouldn't have known, you know, that uh, we went, that WWE went PG because of Linda McMahon's run for, uh, you know, office. Then yeah. what about the PG era and everybody would have still loved John Cena. Everybody would have dug John Cena, but no, we had to have our eyes open. We had to have our uh, noses shoved into the shit that's called kayfabe. And we had to be exposed to the business so much that we know the inner workings of everything. Now we knew about AEW before AEW even knew about AEW. So that the hell. That's... So, you know, that's what's killing it, and that's what's uh, driving uh, the forces behind who should be booked, who's not, who should we hate, who we should not, uh, what works and what doesn't. And in order to get around that, the wrestling communities, uh, the business has to work within the confines of it and find a way to not only work uh, the fans, but work the wrestling community, work the smart marks, if you will, and work the boys. So nobody leaks the shit anymore. So there's always a surprise up their sleeves. Wow. Guys, I know we're running out of time, but I really want to touch base on this before we have to hang it up tonight. You know, I was watching the Steve Austin show and, and um, the Smoking Skull sessions, if you would, and very, very impressed with The Undertaker and Bill Goldberg and you know, even King and Big Show. But one I listened to recently one was the one with uh, Brett Hitman Hart. Guys, I, I know we're going to go in more depth with this later on, but I want you guys' honest opinion. How do you feel about a man to this day still cries about the Montreal screw job and, and how much it was – taken away from him. I mean, hasn't Vince McMahon done enough for this guy to make up for that? You know, I get it. After the first five years after it happened, it's still a sore subject. But, you know, in 2005, Hart got a documentary. Best of his, best was best of everything, right? Great story of his career. Great achievement of his career. Great. The very next year, he's inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2006. Give him his props. 
giving his props. And then a few years later, he gets inducted, got his father inducted into the Hall of Fame. He even gets a chance to get a one-on-one match with Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 26. Even did 18 chair shots and got the win with the freaking sharpshooter. My God, man, how much more can you freaking want? And you still and get your brother along. Unfortunately, he didn't get him before he passed away. But let's face it, it's not like nobody can tell when someone's going to die or not. So I'm not going to blame the WWE on that one. But Jim Neidhart did get inducted in. And my God, but you still could come on this show and still cry and whine. And then you talk about saying, like, I got like Bill Goldberg never should have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Saying Goldberg hurt everybody he got in the ring with. Goldberg never should have been in the Hall of Fame because he hurt me. He ended my career, kicked me in the head. He stiffed me. He greened me. He hurt me and ended my career, you know. And then Steve Austin's just kind of looking at him. If you got to know the whole story, Steve Austin just got there to talk about what happened when his brother Owen dropped him on his head. And Austin admitted, hey, I know it was an accident. I knew it wasn't intentional, you know, but that cut my career in half, you know. And then Brett's going to sit there and make it sound like Goldberg did it intentionally. You know, Goldberg kicked him in the head and bloom, bloom, bloom. And ended his career. And Brett on this show is saying that Goldberg should not be in the Hall of Fame because he ended my career. And Steve Austin's response was, well, you know, Brett, this ain't by late. People get hurt in this ring. You know, I know I felt like I've, you know, I've loved to say I've never hurt nobody in the ring, but I have. I've hurt people in the ring. You know, accidents happen. And he says, well, Brett, how do you want your career to end? And Brett says, and he's serious when he says this. Look at him. Steven dead in the face and his eyes all big and it's like, Steve, I want my career to remember it as the best storyteller, the best technical wrestler, that I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And Steve Austin says, Oh, okay, Brett. You know, let's 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 toast to that then. And then and right right after the Steve Austin show aired, you know, I think uh, Brett was on a Twitter account, and again, bashing Hulk Hogan, call Hulk Hogan a fake scum, P U S S Y. I mean I'm just sitting there saying to myself, you know, 20 years of functioning your career, all you're focused on is that right there. You want to be proud of what you accomplished. You, you had a good wrestling career, champion many times over. But hell, you probably made more money bitching, going on a talk show after talk show, shoot interview after shoot interview, woo nation after woo nation. I mean, my God, in the Steve Austin show, and all you want to do is bitch about Bill Goldberg and Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan. You know, my God, dude, get over yourself. You made millions of dollars. There, I shot it. Y'all, y'all, I, 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 I shot it, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all exploded. What y'all got, got to say? The best crier there is. <laughs> the best crier there was. The best crier there ever will be. I think he made more money crying about shit than he ever did in wrestling. You know, and it's, it's one of those things, like you pointed out, like you pointed out, this guy doesn't have nothing to be ashamed of. He's been World Wrestling Federation champion multiple times over, WCW no. champion multiple times over. Okay, Goldberg, he kicked <laughs> me. And it's my, I can't give him for that, dude. You know, I can understand if you say Goldberg didn't doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame because he has a history of hurting people. You're the only one that came forward and said Goldberg ended your career. Goldberg went yep. on to have many more matches after you, Brett. 
you know, come on, you know, Sean had a lot more matches in the second half of his career than he did his first half. And I tell you, I think he got better when he came back, you know, I mean, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, like you said, hey, I can understand a few years later, you know, it's still fresh in your mind, but here we are sitting 20 years later, and he's bitching. Yeah. He's still bitching about Goldberg ending his career. If it wasn't Goldberg, it could have been somebody else. It could have been, I don't know, what, what if Chris Benoit would have did his diving head button connected with Brett, and Brett said, Chris Benoit ended my career or you know i mean come on. you had a good career and it ain't like you you're toward the end of your career brett when you're in wcw you're heading toward that 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 obscurity of where okay how much longer you know because you've had a damn good career in wwf you came to wcw wcw really didn't know what the fuck to do with you but they put the belt on you you know i mean what can you do? You've done did everything you could possibly do. I mean, you made millions doing what, what, what breaks my heart, man, and my anger comes from this. When you look at situations like guys like the Rock and Roll Express, I mean, guys like who, who got hurt in the business and left the business broke or financially destroyed. That The guy Brett started the business with a dynamite kid, you know, who got hurt early on and hurt his back and everything, and then all of his money gone, his, his whole career legacy gone, tarnished, destroyed, a bona fide wrestling tragedy. His own brother died in the ring. You know, his brother-in-law is not alive anymore. Both his brother-in-laws are alive, you know, that, that he wrestled with so closely in this business, and yet, instead of even yeah. talking about you know, what that. they had, and yet you're going to complain about that right there. One thing you harp on. And JBL uh, heard, a, heard an interview one time. It says, what's this guy's problem? He left the business rich. He was leaving the WF making $1.5 going to the WF making $2.5 You know, he left professional wrestling rich. You know, what does this guy got to complain about? He's secured. He's, you know, I mean, damn, man. I mean, seriously, I just don't, you know. It's just like the guy who was, um, you know, at a WrestleCon a few years ago, and everybody knows this guy because he's gotten famous off of it. But Brent's uh, really still crying it. It's still real to me, damn it. Um, in Brent's what he eyes, said, yeah. yeah. In Brent's eyes, the wrestling business is a real thing to him, and for him, he feels like he didn't leave on the note that he wanted to. He didn't go out on top like he wanted to. In WWF, he left on a sour note. He he left, and it finally came out after years and years, and I still say it's the biggest work of all time. Let's just look at the facts. Everybody worked everybody. It helped boost WWF up. It helped boost Bret Hart up as a uh, free agent who got a lot of money out of WCW. So it's the biggest work in history. But Bret didn't want to give up the title. Not like he should have. He wanted to drop it on Raw the next night and, you know, just, you know, give it up and go out as a champion. It's not how it works in the wrestling business. If you're leaving a company, you drop the belt to the next person in line. It's how it goes. It's called respect. And, yeah, he says he doesn't respect Shawn Michaels, but he apparently did enough to uh, do a series of matches with Shawn. Um, I don't know. The hey, whole let me ask your question. 
you have a good, you make a good valid point though. But like, you know, if he goes to the man and says, "Hey, I heard working together. You know, I want you to know I'll be professional. I'm not gonna hurt you. I will try to build to you, clean in the ring, no big deal." And that same guy says, "I appreciate that, but I want you to know I'm not willing to do the same thing." When you feel a little bit insulted, so, okay, if the guy's not gonna put me over, and you, you go tell your boss, Vincent, man, I said, "Listen, this man needs to put me over first before I consider putting him over because I'm not agreeing to do anything." You know, Brad says, you know, on his legal contract, says that he completed enough of his dates. He didn't have to be there. He could just forfeit the belt on Raw and then he would show up at Survivor Series. You know what I'm saying? How many times did Shawn Michaels did that? It was supposed to be Shawn and Brett, WrestleMania 13, and all of a sudden, oh, I got a knee injury, I got a leg injury. You know, here you go, your belt. I can't defend it. And all of a sudden, everyone's trying to figure out what to do for WrestleMania 13. Hill Stone Cold says he, you know, he's wrestling Bray. He was sitting at home watching Raw on TV, and it's now Bray versus Stone Cold in a submission match. Like, wait, what? It was supposed to be Bray and Sean. But like I said, you know, but what, what was it, Dave? A week or two after WrestleMania, you see Sean doing a moose off the top of the roof? Mm, it's a little wonder uh, was Sean really hurt or not, you know? He didn't have no freaking knee surgery, you know? What, no freaking scar? I mean, on that part, I can understand Brett's frustrations. Hacksaw Jim Duggan would say, sorry, Brett, I'm going to side with Vince and Sean. Losing, it's part of the job description. You know, I mean, it's it's a touchy subject. You know, I try to defend Brett any way that I can, but a lot of times I can't see it when after so many years has passed, and this company has bent over backwards, in my opinion, to cater him, you know, and he walked out of the business a millionaire. I just don't... I don't know. Kevin Ash would go in there and says that, you know, hey, guys, give Brett a little bit of uh, understanding. His father was too hard. In Brett's eyes, this this whole thing is like true, true, real to him. Scott Hall would says Brett would rather win every night and probably get paid less money. And, you, and, Jay, and that what Scott Hall said? Yeah, Scott Hall said something like that. He'd be happy if he can win every night getting paid less money. Me? Yeah, I'll go out there and lose every night. Just show me the money. At exactly. the end of the day, yeah. it's about making money to provide for my family. It's about the money. It's always been about the money. You've got longevity. You're at the twilight of your career. It's about the money. Set me and my family up for the rest of our lives. It's about the money. I don't care what you do with my character, me, whatever else. If you have me go out there and lose every night, all right, then me, pay me. Crazy, man. Chris, right. I mean to cut you off. I just. Yeah, but here's the thing. Bret Hart is still revered as one of the best wrestlers in the world. But in his eyes, he didn't have that storybook ending of, uh, you know, a wrestler going out on top. And that hurts him. And he holds Goldberg accountable because Goldberg botched a move. And it, it, it happens. So you don't hold a grudge. Exactly. But let me ask you this question, though. No. Brett being the, pro- the professional and the technician, supposed to be the ring, junior ring, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the veteran in the ring is supposed to call a spot. Goldberg has said in interview after interview, God, I get in the ring, I'm just doing what I'm told. You know, the guy that they're calling the match. I was, I don't, he's Goldberg was saying he didn't know enough to call a match. You know, if you watch some of his matches, let me tell them what to do with setting him up and everything. You know, I mean, a lot of times, yeah, he gets all jacked up, gets got to get all the tents up and everything. But Goldberg says, "That's what I'm told to do." You know, Goldberg says, "Yeah, I was green." Goldberg says, "I'm not denying I was green," but Goldberg does doesn't take full responsibility. Injury to Brett, you know, he says, "Hey, it happened and it happened. I did not do it intentionally. I was not, not trying to hurt this man. In fact, this man wants to get out there and 
you know, and, and say things about me. And Cooper says, "F you, Brett." You know, <laughs> you know. Your thoughts on that, Chris? As it's, it's basic truth. I mean, it ain't like he went out there and purposely tried to hurt the man, and he was greener than dog shit. I mean, we we've seen that countless times, again and again and again. Uh, in WCW, they pushed him too soon. So, I mean, what do you expect? You get in the ring with someone like Bret Hart, who has years and years of experience, and you put him against someone like Bill Goldberg, and you expect great results. I, it never would happen in a million years, and I, I don't. It, it hasn't happened since. Nobody has put anybody in the ring who doesn't have enough experience to get in there and do the job and listen to the ring generals and actually, you know, protect each other. That's just how it is. Yeah. There were calls that was made back in the day that should never have been made, and that was one of them. And guess I what? Agree. You suffered because of it. And you can't hold – if you're going to hold anybody accountable, that took place during the Vince Russo era of WCW, if I'm not mistaken. Hold it was. <laughs> hold him accountable. Look at Vince Russo and go, hey, you piece of shit. You caused a swerve to my life. I agree. I agree. Guys, I know we're getting here, but any final any final thoughts before we close the show? On anything. Go ahead, Jay. Stop crying. Please stop crying. You made your money. You made your point. You know, it's time to talk about the good things that happen to you in professional wrestling and quit focusing on the negative. It's been 20 plus years, Brett. All right, Chris, any thoughts on anything at all that we discussed tonight? Well, as far as Brett goes, Brett, stay home. Um, uh, the wine is contagious. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to protect ourselves from COVID 19. We don't need a Heart Foundation uh, 2001. Uh, oh, um, wow. wow. <laughs> the real heart, right? <laughs> I'm waiting for his story to pop. Well, his story did pop up on uh, Dark Side of the Ring already. I'm waiting for the uh, part two of it of uh, him and Goldberg. That was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, on a serious note, though, um, everybody out there, you know, who's listening to this, you know, best wishes from all of us. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there again. Uh, hope all y'all are taking care of yourselves. Um, you know, the shootout's going to continue on TMB Studios, uh, all sorts of things in the pipeline right now, uh, getting ready to come out to keep you guys entertained because this is a rough time. But we, we wish y'all best wishes. And be safe, and um, the wrestling business uh, will come back stronger than before after this. That's a guarantee. Well, that being said, my name is Bill Blanchard, a survivor of pain, along with my co-host Christian Fury and our special, special guest, Christopher Dwayne Dickens. Join us next time on our next week episode. Join me and Christian Fury. We're going to do a countdown of the top 10 greatest moments in AWF history, or the top 10 biggest, what the hell? If you're going to witness here on AWF, that being said, y'all have a peaceful night. Y'all be safe out there. Peace.